Hey, welcome back. You know the time. It's This Week with Wendy. One of our favorite shows where we talk about the real SoCal estate of mind. With our host, Wendy Ross, who after decades of working at real estate brokerages in Silicon Valley and Orange County, decided it was time to do something different. And so she created Veracity Real Estate. Time was right for renewed commitment to bespoke client advocacy at all price levels. Yes, so he said all price levels. Something you don't see much in pricey markets like Southern California. Through it all, Wendy's built a company of data-driven real estate investment advisors who are truth seekers and truth tellers. And today, well, we can't wait to find out what the truth is of the market each and every week. Wendy, what's the truth today? Hey, good morning, Paul. How are you? Oh, the truth is a many splendored thing today. <laughs> it is. It's a many, and I'm actually quite delighted to say that because it was Groundhog Day for far too long. Yeah, it was the same thing over and over again. It was like, oh, it was like uh, the worst job in the world. I always said being a, a weatherman in Southern California, <laughs> sunny and nice. It's 72 and sunny. Yeah, 72 and sunny. See you tomorrow. <laughs> Just yeah, record and repeat. No, so well, you know me. So we have to keep an eye on things. We have to bring analysis that you're not going to find anywhere else, which is why we're here. Which is why I do this. And uh, part of the way that I can provide this analysis that you don't find anywhere else is by working with experts and bringing some new experiences to real estate. And uh, what kind of experiences have we been talking about? <laughs> well, this time I'm going to be disclosing some information that, frankly, I think a lot of brokers don't know or they just don't want you to know. I think both of those. I think either they don't know it or they don't want anybody to know it. Honestly, sadly, I think that's a pretty fair statement. So to help me do this, I've invited Kara Stewart back. Kara, of course, is a frequent contributor to OC Talk Radio, a former journalist and a current media and marketing expert and entrepreneur. She's also the chief brand officer for my company, Veracity Real Estate, so she knows me well. So thank you for coming. Hi, Wendy. We're on a roll here talking about what's happening in the market and giving you an opportunity to share that insight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if, if not me, then who? Well, apparently, if not me, then no one, right? Then no one, yeah. yeah. You, um, you are willing to, to, to pick up that ball and run with it. Mm-hmm. Pretty rare right now. You know, when we started the show, I remember last year, you were talking about just the market being really intense. Then at the beginning of this year, you started to report on some changes. Mm-hmm. So as we were preparing for this, Paul, I went back and looked at some of the show notes from last year, earlier this year, as well as some of her um, weekly or rather monthly market reports. And, and it was a little bit painful. It really was because we had to go through the minutia of what was happening, but also re- remember all of the fits and starts we saw in the marketplace. Can we go down memory lane just for a couple of instants? I don't really have a choice here. No, you don't. (laughs) Here we go. Okay. So it seems like things might be changing and rapidly, but April of 2021, so a little bit more than a year ago, Mm -hmm. you had your market report and you began with this quotation that we all snickered at the beginning that time from from Peter Lane Taylor. And he was talking about that just recently, as, as just a few years ago, the hardest part about buying a house for most people was what he called, quote, the financial colonoscopy of getting approved for a mortgage. Right. Yeah. The financial colonoscopy. I, I got to react yes, to that. Yes, you have to. That's the way it feels like. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Bend over. We're going to see if you're ready. We're going to see if, we're gonna see if you see qualify for a mortgage. Just a little bit deeper. Right. But you even editorialized then, not anymore. Loans can be obtained. Houses cannot. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Fast forward to the other A, August 2021. And you said that you're moving past amazement and settling into comfortably numb about the insane Orange County housing market. Right. We all loved the Pink Floyd reference. Thank you very much. Yes. And you know, you also talked about how it's seriously ridiculous how few homes we have for sale and how many people are still clamoring to buy them. Mm-hmm. And then you jumped forward to February. And in February, just a couple months ago, you actually said, is 2022 a repeat of 2021? Well, my friends, very little has changed in real estate. Well, Wendy, Paul, our dear listeners, welcome to the last day of May 2022. Is that still a fair statement, Wendy? Has very little changed in real estate? Yes and no. Tell us. Yeah, it's again, it's a many splendored thing, as I said to Paul. Yes and no. So, so first, let me frame the market like I always do every week, and then um, we're going to add some layers of nuance to this, and that's where we're going to start to see that things perhaps are not what they appear to be. For our weekly update, last week we put 424 new listings on the market. That's a 31% decline over the week before. So it is moving in exactly the wrong direction. I was excited last week because we had a bit of an uptick, but um, we more than made up for it by by losing all the new inventory. So I'm not sure what that's about. 529 homes did go into escrow. That's about par. It was only up 1% over the week prior. But again, as we trend from spring into summer months, these numbers should be two double-digit increases or more, right? We sold 595 homes last week. That was up 6%. So really fairly tepid, but, you know, sort of-ish speaking to limited supply, stable demand, things should be roaring just the way they always have been. The median price held steady at a million sixty, that was up one percent, but we've seen it just kind of bobbling up and down around the million dollar mark. So snore, unexpected, right? Um, it still was seven days median to sell a home. So those homes that sold last week, they sold with median seven days. And the list to close price ratio was unchanged at 106%. So this sounds like again a snooze fest, right? Like it's just more of the same. Groundhog day. But it's not because what happened was I started looking at why does it feel like things have cooled off mm-hmm. rather than heated up? Especially that being down 31% last week. Could that right. all be attributed to it being the week of Memorial Day holiday weekend? Possibly, possibly. But what? what let me tell you what I'm seeing. What I saw was that when I look at active homes on the market, Active listings right now are already at a median of 18 days, an average of 26 days on the market. That's interesting. They haven't found a buyer yet. And as of last week, those people who put their homes into escrow, so the newly opened escrows, they had a median days on market of 26 days. It's going to take us 30 to 45 days to have all of those homes that just went into escrow close and for the sales stats to start showing 26 days on market. So what's going to happen is in July and August, I anticipate we're going to see headlines going, the market is crashing, you know, and homes are languishing on the market, blah, blah, blah. But it's actually happening right now. Um, We're looking at the tail end data and we just look at the closed sales data. So this is what I meant when I said on the surface of things, it looks like it's the same, but functionally it's not. Now back to your question about why are there so few homes coming on the market? And I think that's going to be our new normal because everybody and their brother who could refinance their homes into like interest rates in the threes. Some even got lucky and they're in the twos. Well, now if this homeowner that got their mortgage down into the threes is considering buying another house, they're looking at mortgage finance rates in the fives and sometimes the 6% range. 
it's hugely disincenting. So I expect and other, you know, people that I speak to who are in the economy field, economists all agree that these people are likely to not sell for another five or 10 years. They're just not going to give up that interest rate. And if they do decide to get another house because there's a life event that just necessitates it, you know, job change, they have to move or whatever, they're probably not going to sell the departure home either. It's going to cash flow so nicely as a rental with that low interest rate. So all of these decisions not to sell are going to become part of our new landscape because we're going to have fewer fewer homes come on the market, even if they're taking longer to sell, which they are, because buyers are also hamstrung by these interest rates, you would expect prices to go up, but I don't think they will. Okay, we're, we're, we're talking about quite a departure here and some nuances of, of these terms. So mm-hmm. I want to make sure that when we're, we're using this terminology, we're all on the same page of what we're talking about here. So on the face of it, we're seeing less inventory mm-hmm. and we're seeing more closed sales. Mm-hmm. Plus, homes are selling faster than ever before in our history during the during this until, time frame. Until that stops. Until that stops. And that's still slowing now. But we're seeing insanely few days on the market. Right. So these factors should add up to rising prices, mm-hmm. but we're not seeing that. Mm-hmm. What's really giving? Go back to this days on the market, break it down for us, and also about how you know median median price versus average home prices. I think that's a nuance here that needs to be explored. It's an important nuance, and I think that um, well, there's a couple of answers. There's a couple of different key contributors to answer this question. The reason that I think prices aren't going to go up is twofold. One is buyers have just reached their limit. I mean, they just have. I mean, wages and income aren't going up to keep pace with the rise in, in home prices. It, and they're just getting to a point where they're like, uncle, I'm tapping out. I just can't. You know, I just can't pay these higher prices. And then back to your question about median versus average prices, we have seen this incredible surge in median price. And I think that that's also going to be falling. And we're going to start to hear reports of Orange County, you know, median home prices are falling and people are going to misunderstand that and think that home values are falling. And they're not. We have to remember that average, an average home price is take all the homes that sold you know, and find out what the average price is. You add them all together and divide by however many and boom, there's your average. Median is the middle one. So if you just stack, you know, most of least expensive and pick the house in the middle, that's your median price. Since COVID began, we have had this freakishly absurd increase in sales of super luxury homes. I mean, remember we were talking about this. COVID drove people all over the world to coastal communities. Yacht sales quadrupled. People are like clamoring and fighting to buy yachts and they're driving the prices of yachts. Everybody wanted to be in warm, sunny climates where they could safely be outdoors. They could have their boats. And that has driven the clamor for super luxury homes around the world. And Orange County was no different. We sold more $5 million plus homes during COVID than we ever have in the history of Orange County. And I'm not talking like 40% more, double and triple the normal volume of homes. And there just aren't that many of them left. And people are also, I think, a little bit less afraid of dying now mm-hmm. that we've seen, okay, we, we're figuring this out. We're surviving this pandemic. Life will go on. I don't know that there's going to be that fierce emotional you know, drive to buy that super luxury home. And also the prices have escalated to a point where those buyers may also tap out and say, it's that's silly. It's not worth it. I'm not going to do it. All of this said, it is my expectation that we're going to have fewer and fewer $5 million plus home sales on the market. And what is that going to do? It's going to make the median price fall. The average home sale price will fall and the median price will fall. That does not mean that home values are falling. 
And see what I mean? Yes. And that doesn't mean that people should be sitting on the sidelines, correct? Right. But they are and they will because they're going to hear these headlines. And I'm promising you, you're going to hear these headlines. Orange County home price is falling. They're not. The median price will fall. The average price will fall because we're not going to sell as many from the top end. It's going to drive the averages down. So could this actually be good for first time home buyers, though, because they're not typically the ones who are going to be going after a five million dollar plus property, right? Fair enough. But but first time home buyers are usually buying in the lower part of the price range. You know, they're not buying the most expensive homes and they're usually not even buying in our middle market. That's usually the move up buyer. So I'll speak to typical. The typical first time buyer is buying between 600 and a million dollars because in Orange County, that's our entry level, believe it or not. And they are now competing with the people who are having trouble with their investments on Wall Street. And whenever that happens, those people buy rental properties. And, you know, John and Jane Doe, I just described to you, who has their home that has a three and a half percent interest rate that's just going to put a renter in there and go buy another property. They may decide to go rent a home and buy an investment property because they need the tax write off. Because, again, the same old boring story, the salt tax cap is real. You know, they don't have the write offs that they want and they're looking for another place to put it. And it has always been this dynamic, unfortunately, in Orange County that first time home buyers often compete with investor buyers. So it keeps the pressure on. And we we hear from the first-time homebuyers all the time. Paul and I have talked about this, that Mm -hmm. it just seems so daunting. If you don't already own property here, how do you even get into it? Mm -hmm. How do you get your foot in the door? What are are you and your agents telling first-time homebuyers right now? Buddy up. You got to buddy up. Um, And a lot, it's interesting, too, because a lot of our millennials and younger generation, not only are they... Um, well, they're hamstrung in this market. They're putting off when they get married. They're getting married later and they're having kids later. So our first time home buyers are single more than ever in history. So these people have no alternative but to find another income source to help them qualify for the loans. And I'm seeing friends buying homes together. I'm seeing um, it, you know, roommates buying homes together and one of them is using the roommate income from the other. So one of them is owning it and the other one is just contributing income, which can be done. Thank goodness there are a lot of homes now that already have ADUs or physical situations that can easily be separated. So you can actually go to your lender and say, okay, I'm going to buy this house. My good friend, you know, Tim Smith is going to be renting this part of it. Here's our lease agreement. Here's what they're going to be paying me. And they can use that to help qualify. They're going to have to get creative like this, you know, that or have mom, dad, cousin, brother, sister co-sign. Regardless of the fact that um, Orange County is so almost prohibitively expensive to to buy into the first mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. what you're talking about, the, the doubling up of the roommates, mm-hmm. a lot of things you've mentioned on the show here actually simply point to generational shifts yeah. of people are delaying getting married, mm-hmm. of, of having children, and or um, of wanting to spend more time with friends. And so they're looking at other types of alternative buying arrangements. Do you mm-hmm. see that this is just something about Orange County? and about a post-COVID pandemic life? Or do you see that this might be here to stay as a generational shift? I think it's here to stay at least for a long while as a generational shift. In, In that same line of conversation, what I'm seeing directly with my clients is that since, um, 
these young professionals are going out and buying their first home and they're not married, the parents who would have otherwise contributed, you know, ten, twenty, fifty thousand dollars for a wedding are instead contributing that for a down payment on a house. And most parents view that as money well spent and I tend to agree. You know, because at least you can you can grow that money. The home will appreciate, and the wedding. It's like you know, the photos are nice, but yeah, four yeah. hours later, you didn't even get a piece of the cake. And yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly, right. And somebody threw up in the rose bushes, and and and. So yeah, I, that's what we're seeing. It, it, I think that I think that our relationship to money and finance and lifestyle has shifted just as much during COVID and as a result of COVID as it did during the Great Meltdown, you know, 08, 09. And we talked about this after that big meltdown. Um, Orange County, which used to be the the land of the stiff upper lip, fake it till you make it, pretend that you have everything, rent the Bentley if you can't afford it, but at all costs look super, super, super successful. And then when that meltdown happened, it suddenly became okay to say, yeah, I'm renting. It suddenly became okay and sometimes even fashionable to say, Ugh, I got my bank to write off a million dollars of mortgage debt. I walked away from that in a short sale. And that wasn't a conversation that we ever would have had. And the stigma was really shifted. The budgetista became the, the fashion icon, right? Right. Frugality was chic. Yes. Yes. Austerity was a word we used in public. Mm-hmm. So With pride. Right. And so now with COVID, um, th- this whole notion of families helping family um, is not poo-pooed like it was before. And so for multi-generations to go in and buy something together isn't looked down upon like, oh, you couldn't do it yourself. No. I mean, there's now pride in that. And I think that's a very healthy, very good thing. We're catching up with the rest of the world. And that's how it was throughout all of Europe and Asia and in most of the countries that most of us come from, for the love of God. You know, I, I'm second generation. My family, we, you know, we helped each other back mm-hmm. in the old country. That's what we did. And I think we're going back to it. And, and personally, culturally, culturally, societally, I think it's a, it's a good thing. For the first time home buyers, then you are going to be able to talk with them about different kind of loan programs that will allow their renters to qualify. You're advising clients to perhaps look at um, sources of, of property where they could have an ADU or something else, because you're looking at it not only as one is buying their first home, right. but also this could be a side source of revenue because we all need to be looking at multiple sources of revenue right now, right? We do. And these people who don't have children, you know, they need to find other ways to to get income because they're, 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 they're most heavily taxed. It's unfortunate, but it's true. You know, until they start getting rental properties or making babies or whatnot, they're sort of limited in their tax write-offs. And something else that we're talking to first-time buyers about now, and it's interesting because we're getting a little bit more traction, is look at older historic homes. Look at these. And thank goodness the mid-century modern has become such a fan favorite that if I show someone an actual original Eichler in orange, it is an Eichler for the love of God. <clears throat> if you don't know Eichler, look him up. He's amazing. E-I-C-H-L-E-R. In these homes, when they are actually Mills Act eligible, these buyers can save like potentially up to seven or $10,000 a year in property taxes in perpetuity as long as they maintain that property to historic standards. And remind us about the Mills Act. The Mills Act is is a tax uh, rebate program where if you buy a property that is deemed historically significant um, and it falls into the categories of whatever city designates are important, um, then you can petition for Mills Act and that means that you are now registered as a historic home and you get a large rebate on your property taxes with the intention of you will then preserve the home in this standard so that it doesn't change to you know continue the integrity of the community. Um, and it's a beautiful thing and it's real freaking money. 
And for somebody who's got a really tight budget, this won't help you with your loan qualification part of it because the lender will look at what the actual market property tax should be, but it will help you functionally in real life. You will really save this money. And if you buy a mid-century home like that, that's gorgeous, you're going to want to preserve it and take care of it anyway, right? You want to you know, maintain your home's value. So it's, it's a win-win-win. And it's foolish for people not to look at that. My sense is that a lot of potential consumers um, don't know about that because, you know, we, Wendy, you're always breaking down stig- stigmas and misconceptions on this show. And we'll I get try. to the one about being over 55 and selling a home in just a moment. But mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of misconceptions about olding, owning a historic home or a home in a historic area mm-hmm. actually would be cost prohibitive. So a lot of first time buyers or others simply are walking away from that. Mm-hmm. But what you have found is that there's better inventory possibly in the older neighborhoods, more approachable um, pricing for owners and perhaps could actually have some sort of ADU or another set of you know multiple streams of income around it. They can be. Um, and I'm not going to say that these historic neighborhoods are always more affordable. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're the most expensive. However, one thing I can assure you is that these older historic homes have larger lots. They have larger pieces of dirt. So let's say that you went into Orange and you paid, you know, $1.3 million for an Eichler and it was a 1,400 square foot home on an 8,000 square foot lot. And you're probably going to have a property tax bill when you're done if if you've got the Mills Act of about $6,000 a year. If you bought a $1.2 million home in Costa Mesa that was you know, 1,800 square feet on a 5,800 square foot lot, your property taxes are going to be more like $15,000 a year. It's worth taking a look at. It's relevant. And and we have to dispense with the notion of, oh, I, I don't want to buy an 80-year-old house. Well, you're buying a house that looks like an 80-year-old house. You're buying a house that was styled 80 years ago. And in most cases, it has been completely gutted and rewired and replumbed. The foundation's been shored up. The, the windows have all been redone to look like the originals. So you're not functionally buying an 80-year-old house. You're buying you know, an 80-year-old homage. You're buying, and buying part of Orange County history. Right? Right. And I, I cannot tell you how many eyes fly open when I show first-time buyers homes like this that could be eligible. And every city has different standards. So I, there's not one rule of will this home, you know, what are the rules? You know, you, you really have to do your homework. You have to you know, work with us and we have to go closely into each city and find out what's what. Like the city of Orange has Mills Act um, Historic Preservation. The city of Villa Park does not. Why? Who knows? Villa Park, if you would like to weigh in, then let us know. Right. You're welcome on on the show. Get on board, people. Yeah. Okay, so the elephant in the room is that everyone just seems to be waiting in the sidelines of, is the market going to soften? Is it not? Am I going to try to time it? You talked about why that's foolish for buyers. But you're you're counseling sellers right now, too, Mm -hmm. about they're trying to hold on to their properties to still derive the most, the highest sale price. Mm -hmm. What are those conversations going like now? I am telling them candidly, and and I had a very, very specific conversation with one of my sellers who has a very large home in Irvine that he hasn't sold yet because he can't find what he wants to buy. And I have been urging him for a year and a half, sell it, let me negotiate a long rent back for you, sell it and get that price. And you know then let's go and look for the other property because then you're a cash buyer. Um, now I am saying active homes and those homes that are just now going into escrow are taking significantly longer. This could be a foretelling of something not good. 
I'm not going to say prices are falling, but I'm saying let's pay attention to this. I really think that people who are on the sidelines and not selling now should really consider getting it sold because data points are starting to point into confusing directions, if nothing else, and interest rates don't seem to be going down anytime soon. So you still have a smallish pool of buyers. It's not like suddenly the dam's going to burst and the buyer's going to flood on the market or, 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 you know, you're at a point now where it's not going to get better and it might get worse. So if you're a seller, I wouldn't wait. Really? I mean, I even stopped and thought about selling my house and then I got over it because I'm never selling it. But <laughs> but you know, you're not going to be leaving through this area for any time soon. So it's Obviously a little bit not. Different. I sell houses here. Or, you know, yeah. where could I go? Where could she go? Right, right. No, but for sellers, I think it's important. Let's talk about getting it sold now before weird headlines start scaring buyers away because the the frenzy and and buyers um sentiment and their emotional response to the words that they hear whether or not those words are true could cause a shift in the market that really shouldn't happen but it could just be this emotional response oh my gosh median price is falling i'm gonna wait everyone goes into stasis then which is why i'm saying it's gonna be a long hot summer of basically a cold war Everyone's sitting back in a stalemate waiting to see what the other side's going to do. So last year we had hot vac summer. I heard this could be hot you know, feral adult summer. <laughs> yes. I think that was BuzzFeed was predicting or something to that effect. I love that. So you're protecting Cold War summer. Cold War. Uh, Cold War summer when it comes to real estate prices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You blink first. I'm not going to blink. <laughs> you do that very well. Thank you. I like that. Yes. It's the Nordic in me. It's the Nordic in you. Mm-hmm. Okay. We want to talk about an upcoming event that you're going to be hosting here mm, pretty right. soon mm-hmm. um, because it also um, allows you to talk about something, another misconception you want to keep busting about property owners over the age of 55 and others as well. Yes. But before we go there, Paul, is your head spinning yet? My head is trying to catch up with all the things that you're <laughs> saying here. You're throwing these out. Can I ask one quick question Please. before yeah. we go to break here? Because yes. you just casually say this stuff. And I'm like... Did I hear you right? You're saying that somebody could sell their house, mm-hmm. take the money, mm-hmm. and then negotiate a rent back mm-hmm. on that property while they're looking for the next thing? Absolutely. They've I been have doing it for two years. Yeah. Heard of that. Yeah. Everybody yeah. waits till they found the next place and then they sell. Unfortunately, Quickly. some people are still doing that, but I don't think there's wisdom in it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it has become so commonplace in the market, Paul, that buyers will let you do it. If you have the house that they want, and this particular client of whom I'm speaking has a great house, people would love to buy that. They would let him rent back for a so while. So they say, but but doesn't the uh, buyer mm-hmm. want to get in immediately because they need a new house? They sold their house too, mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I they they usually do, but in the absence of a lot of inventory, they'll suck it up. Wow, mm-hmm. that that alone is worth a show someday here because I never heard of that strategy. Usually. I've got. I've changed jobs. I, I got to move into a new state or something here, mm-hmm. or I'm downsizing. Some something's happened, and I've decided now's the time to sell this house. Mm-hmm. And I usually then list it, or, or no, I do the office. I go find something where mm-hmm. I think I'm going to go live, and then I find it. I quickly go list it, and right. now I got crunch time because I've got to close on this other one. Mm-hmm. And to do that, I got to sell my house. See, and COVID really um, upended everything because during COVID, there were so many other buyers competing for property. If you came as a buyer and said, yes, I want to buy your house, I'll pay you 10% over list price, but I have to sell my house first. They won't even pay attention to you. Hmm. You can't compete. But having said that, we're 
shifting out of a COVID mentality. So this whole notion of long extended rent backs after closing may be ending. I, I can't say it will or won't, but probably it's not going to hang around forever. So if we want to do a show about it, we should do it soon. Yeah. Okay. Fascinating yeah. topic. All right. Well, let's talk about, can, should we do a uh, shout out to one of your uh, sponsors? Yeah. Sponsors. Let's do that. Always. You certainly surround yourself with some great people. You bring them in week by week here. And one of them is the one we keep talking about, Ford and Diulio. Ford and Diulio is an Orange County-based boutique litigation firm with experienced attorneys from the big law firms. The partners who founded the company did so on the concept of aligned interest. It sounds so simple, but where their interests align with yours and where they get paid by the value and results they achieve for you, not just how many hours they rack up in litigation here, where they're rewarded for being efficient and yet effective, and where they engage in the relentless pursuit of your client's goals, whether in litigation, mediation, or trial. If that's something you want to find in your life, find them at fordiulio.com, just like it sounds, F-O-R-D-D-I-U-L-I-O, fordiulio.com. That seems to be kind of what you do, this kind of relentless pursuit of people's goals. That's not always what service professionals do. Too often they got their own agenda. I want you just to sell it. I don't care what your situation is. I want you to lease it. I want you to do something here. Mm -hmm. And it's all Mm -hmm. about me. Precisely. And not so much all about you're trying to force them to do something that fits with what you want. Well, I think I blew someone's mind back in 2011, I believe it was. I had a client and he was a very high-end buyer and he wanted to buy a home in Newport Coast. And I said, let's put you into a rental for a year. Let's wait. Because those people, you know, the bloodbath hit all of us, but the people who had the most money, their markets fell last. Mm-hmm. And I said, there's more price degradation to be had. Let's just wait this out a little bit. And he was really, really glad that he did. Yeah. So yeah. Doing but you left right. money on the table for yourself and your brokerage by doing that. I did, and my brokerage wasn't happy with me, which is why I went independent, because brokerages are looking out for themselves. Right. You know, this particular brokerage would send out two and three agents from the same office to compete for a listing. What? what? Oh, yeah. Common. What do you think that tells the consumer? <laughs> It's like these guys will eat their young. Yeah. And if you like that kind of thing, then maybe that's your brokerage. But right. I personally am not down with that. I'm I'm I am truly about advising the client as to what's in their best interest, which is why we had that conversation about pocket listings. You know, having a listing in my pocket and not putting it out for the world at large to see doesn't serve the client at all. When you put it on the internet, literally millions of eyeballs get to see it. Millions of people are aware of it. So who's going to get the higher price? The one where millions of people that saw it or the one where, you know, my circle of friends saw it? Come on. You know, it, but we just don't put the client first as an industry. And that's tragic. And that's what we are attempting to change. And I think that's why they don't really share much data. You don't need to know anything. Just do what right. I say. Bingo. Well, if right. you educate too much, then they lose their power over you. Right. Yes, right. You don't know anything about this. That it used to be worse in the old days because MLS, that was the sacred domain of only you guys. Only right. you guys could see behind the curtain as to mm-hmm. what's there. Mm-hmm. And so I, I you trusted they would just find you something. 
But I don't know that they were really looking for you or just looking for them. They're just trying to jam you into something as quick as they can and go on to the next. I actually fired someone on my real estate team years ago when I found out he was only showing buyers listings that paid 3% commission. (laughs) He wouldn't even show them the homes where there was lesser commission. And I was like, not okay. Right. You don't get to cherry pick. Your job, your duty is to find the home that is most appropriate for them. I was so incensed, and I shouldn't say the name of the big company. I'm I'm tempted to, but it was one of these giant <laughs> financial stock call brokerage. Out. Call them out, Paul. I, I call would, them out. I no, wouldn't ever say Merrill Lynch on publicly, but, <laughs> but it was Merrill Lynch. And I found out that in the last great you know downturn, recession, dump, or whatever here, mm. they were telling me to buy stocks not because it really was a good stock. It's because they were getting incentivized. Yeah. Yeah. They were being incentivized to recommend these stocks mm-hmm. to me, including some duds like uh, what was the one that uh, went under uh, that, uh, I don't know, the two or three of them that all went under. And I'm like, why did you bring this? And I find out later because they, they were, were getting, getting incentives. Yeah, yeah kickbacks. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. That's That sort of thing is common with large real estate brokerages. In fact, I can't think of one that doesn't have their own in-house escrow. And they they sell it as, it's convenient, we have somebody right here on site, it makes it a seamless process for you, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Home Seller. But the reality is, it's a revenue stream for the broker. Yeah, exactly. That one-stop shop comes with a hefty price tag for the consumer. Right. Right. So the consumer is often paying over market rates for the escrow services, and the broker is double-dipping you. How is that a good thing? Yeah. I'm, I'm not not okay with it you know yeah which i think is what led to the revolt of i don't think i think it swung too far away where you're going to be your own stockbroker you're going to be your own sure. real estate broker the heck with all of you guys here sure. i'm just going to do it myself here yeah and, and i'm not going to say no one can buy and sell their own real estate without an agent but i will say this is not called the land of the lawsuit without cause yeah pun intended right um Ignorance of the law does not protect you from it. And there are so many cases where even brokers and agents are are not clear on their disclosure requirements. It's frightening. So your opportunity to sell your own home and save, you know, $10,000, $20,000 and get embroiled in a $5 million lawsuit later is pretty good. Which is why we have um, a litigation firm as one of our first sponsors because that's so much the work they do and you've had to rely on them so much to Mm -hmm. advise your clients. Mm -hmm. And to advise me. And you're supposed to be giving me advice. I'm not supposed to know how to do everything in life. Precisely. So maybe I don't know where the hot uh, uh, market I haven't thought of or a Mm -hmm. technique like leasing it back or something i would have mm-hmm. never thought of any of these things i don't know of any of these the nuance things. matters and the nuance can save you thousands of dollars yeah, but right. okay and so to kara's yeah. point she alluded to i've got an event coming up because people aren't hearing me or understanding or they just need more information about these different property tax savings programs that are out there we voted these in in 2020. They came into effect in 2021, and people largely are unaware. And what I'm learning is that some people may have been eligible for these property tax savings programs, didn't know it, didn't sign up for them, and if they hurry, they might be able to get it corrected. So Claude Parrish, the Orange County Assessor, has graciously agreed to speak live and in person for a lunchtime meeting on June 15th in wow. Costa Mesa. Wow. So it's a small... He's not somebody that we really ever hear from or talks... I'm not, I don't know much about him other than there's an office that we know virtually nothing about. You should join us. Okay. You should join us. He's a very, very, very brilliant man, um, and he knows all about these programs. And the, obviously, near and dear to my heart, because yeah, I'm in my 50s now, is that if I sold my home, I could take my lower property tax bill with me to a new home that I'm going to live in. 
anywhere in the state of California. I, Wendy, I still don't believe it. See, I still don't believe you. it. You say it all the time, and I go, yeah, but come on. Mm-mm. Anywhere in the state. And so I'm that con- is probably the, sorry, that, that's probably the biggest misconception that we <laughs> keep trying right. to bust because as we're talking to people 55 and older, and you know, it's the silver tsunami here mm-hmm. in Orange County. Mm-hmm. So we have an aging population that needs to hear this. Right. It's for their, their own interest mm-hmm. to save money, but also this could help solve some of the inventory issues yeah. here. And, and what concerns me most about this is that I am certain there are dozens of people who came to Orange County and bought their retirement home and left a home in Northern California or you know Sacramento or somewhere else and didn't transfer their base tax with them and their agent didn't even know to tell them. You know, so if any of you are listening, if you're over 55 and you moved to Orange County in the last 12 months, and you can still go backwards and fix it, we might be able to. I'm not going to say definitely, but I think you probably can. I think you just need to, because if it's within two years, you know, you can say, look, I I moved my domicile to a new domicile in the state of California, and I didn't transfer my lower base tax with me. Help me fix this. And yet, I have been to parties or you know to backyard barbecues and the, uh, inevitably the talk comes about moving mm-hmm. and we're all at that age where we say is this we're going to stay here forever and so, I, I didn't think i was buying my forever home 30 years ago mm-hmm. i thought i was buying a home along the way sure and i assumed i was either going to get bigger or smaller sometime sure. depending on my needs but what everybody says is not just where would i go because it's more expensive over mm-hmm. there than mm-hmm. was here. Mm-hmm. But now I'm paying a higher tax bill right. because it's based on the value of the home I bought. The home mm-hmm. I bought years ago was cheap. Right. The new homes are expensive. So even if I could take the equity and flip it into a bigger house or do something, mm-hmm. I don't know that I can handle that big tax See, bill. And, you know, and as much as I'm going to fight being indignant that you don't believe me, <laughs> uh, <laughs> All of these people. I, you, I, you, you look like a, a sweet person. You look like you're telling the truth, but it can't be there's, true. There's going to be a rumble in the parking lot. <laughs> I'm, I'm digging this man down. No, but seriously, I, I invite anyone who is in professional services, who's a financial advisor, a tax advisor, a legal advisor, a gerontologist, or just any homeowner that wants more information and wants to ask Claude Parrish himself, live and in person, about this. Reach out, and we'll get you on the guest list. So you can find me on LinkedIn under Wendy Ross or Veracity Real Estate. And the invitation is there. Even email me, Wendy, at realveracity.com, and I will send you the link to RSVP. Why is this not common knowledge? Because I think that holds a lot of people mm-hmm. back over 55 or 65. It holds them hostage. Holds them hostage, yeah. And in high-cost areas exactly like this, the way to put it, we're hostage, talking yeah. about tens of thousands of dollars every year. Yeah. You know how fast that reaches a million dollars? Yeah. It's ridiculous in taxes. So you feel like I'm stuck. I can't. It's not just the price of the home. It's the new property tax bill I'm going to have to pay. It's the tax burden. So, you know, I I want people to learn. I want them to know. I want them to be well informed. So this is a revolutionary show. You're trying to free people. (laughs) It is. Power to the people. I love My it. Old hippie I love it. Revolutionary. Revolutionary. Power oh to the goodness. people, baby. All oh right. All right. And so. for those who can't see, she does have a little bit of blue hair right now. <laughs> and I'm not talking about the, a different the geriatric, kind of blue hair. geriatric. Not my grandmother's blue Yes, hair. Right. no. We're talking about some pretty rebellious blue here yeah. because mm-hmm. she is bringing. But you know what? There is one departure. One rebellious thing that happened with social media with you that is not true. So I'm going to bust this misconception. Okay. Lord help us all. Wendy does not sell crypto now. She doesn't. No, she does not. not. Her account was hacked. <laughs> so I want to invite everyone to follow her new Instagram account. That's Please. also where you can find the direct link to RSVP for the event. All right. And Wendy's new 
Instagram accounts is pretty easy. The real Wendy Ross. The real Wendy Ross. Yes. Not that fake one selling crypto. Yeah. I could Real Veracity. Real Wendy Ross. There you go. Real news that you can use really, to save money. Really important stuff. All right. All right. Oh, there you go. Bring us home for this week, Wendy, please. Oh, my goodness. Well, that really is the news. So I All just right. want y'all to go and, and subscribe to This Week with Wendy and get my podcast every week from wherever you like most to get your podcasts. And go to this event. When's the event again? June 15th. And what's is it free? Is it online? It's free. It's, it's live and in person. He won't let me televise it. He's a very private man. And so where is it at? Some it's in a secret location in Costa Mesa. Oh, okay. You must RSVP. you got to go through the mm. hidden doors. you got to go through channels, people. Okay. All right. All right. And All that's right. going to be in conjunction with uh, United American Mortgage. And there might even be some lunch, I heard. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Now you're getting to me really interested here. Mm-hmm. Well, fascinating. So, and what time of day is it? 12 noon. 12 noon. Yeah. High noon. You're Doors gonna... will open at 11.30. All right. Cool okay. stuff. All right. Thanks for coming on sharing this stuff. And that's a wrap. Thanks, Wendy. 